0: that are um, difficult, uh, just as, uh, as we learned uh, in going through the, the attributes of God and the Trinity, that there's a lot of mystery, there's a lot of things that we can understand, uh, God has revealed Himself in such a way that we can understand who He is and His operations, but uh, there's always going to be mystery, there's always going to be that sense of uh, how, how these things actually you know, operate or work out. Uh, may still remain a mystery to us, because we are not uh, the infinite God. We are finite. We have limited understanding. And so, same thing with this uh, chapter 3 of regarding God's decree. Uh, so, um, let us begin. <clears throat> oh, wait, put it over there. decree. So again, in the outline that uh, Pastor Jason has provided for us, uh, we're still in the first principles, chapters one through six. Um, we've gone through the principle of knowing, principle of, of being, um, and now we're in chapter uh, chapter three uh, uh, God, of God's decree. So uh, what we're gonna look at this after this morning is we're gonna look at the elements. The way we're gonna break this down is in the first two paragraphs we're going to look at the elements the various elements of God's decree uh and then we're going to also look at um I forgot to change that but the 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 decree is not conditional uh but it, it um that's the point c uh, God and the sinful actions of men we're going to deal with how his decree uh relates to uh, the wicked uh sins of of, of mankind because that's one one controversy, one thing that, that, are, you know, that, that as, as uh, Reformed, as Calvinists, uh, we get uh, um, criticized for, and, and, and when, when you read this, uh, people tend to say, oh, that, that means that God is the author of sin, and so we're going to deal with that, God and, and the sinful actions of men. Uh, and then the last part, divine, and, uh, divine foreknowledge and the decree, that's paragraph 2. Uh, I think Jim Renahan in his book has it as the conditional, or the decree is not conditional, uh, and I forgot to change it, I was going to change it, but th- that's that's basically what we're going to deal with. So, the various elements of God's decree, the decree in relation to sinful actions, and then uh, the decree is not being conditional. In other words, we're going to deal with divine foreknowledge and the decree. So, here is chapter 3, uh, paragraph 1. It says, uh, God hath decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, "...freely and unchangeably all things whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so as thereby is God neither the author of sin, nor hath fellowship with any therein. Nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty of contingency or of second causes taken away, but rather established, in which appears his wisdom in disposing all things, and power and faithfulness in accomplishing his decree." So um, before we get into it, there are some differences between uh, our confession here and the Savoy and the Westminster. Uh, Some of the language they've taken from the the 1646, um, which is also uh, in the true confession, which is where where the the, the, the first Baptist confession uh, was kind of modeled after or taken from. So, whereas the first two, the, second, the, the uh, Westminster and the Savoy have uh, God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own uh, will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Um, our confession has that helpful. God hath decreed in himself uh, from all eternity by the most wise, holy counsel of his own will. And you can see there, there there's been some additions as, as well at the end of the ch- uh, chapter paragraph. But I think that's key that in, hath in Himself. He, he's decreed in Himself, and we're going to be looking at that phrase uh, when we we get there. <clears throat> but just wanted to point out that there are some differences between the Westminster and the Savoy. Um, the language, uh, the language. If you see the the first London Baptist Confession, um, after it says all things, if you go down to where it says His wisdom, constancy, truth, and faithfulness. Those are things that we see in the decree, um, um, and that language there is taken from uh, um, William Ames, as he defines a decree. The decree of God is His firm decision by which He performs all things through His Almighty Power, according to His counsel. And uh, He, those constancy, truth, and faithfulness are are things that, that again language that was found in the first confession, and the substance of that is also found. In, the, in our confession, um, uh, it says there, uh, faithfulness, wisdom, power, and faithfulness. Uh, is the substance there of, of that idea of is found uh, there in our confession. So, um, yeah, so influenced by William Ames and his um, definition of the decree and, and his um, uh, uh, treatise on the decree. Um, <clears throat> we also get a little bit more information here in the... Baptist catechism what are the decrees of God? the decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass and if you notice one thing um, the confession the heading says of God's decree um, but the the uh, the Baptist Catechism says what are the decrees of God um, why would you th- why do you think there's that difference between decree and decrees. Which one is it? Decree might refer to space and Yes, exactly. Yeah, perfect, exactly. So um ultimately God's decree as we will see, uh, because it's an eternity, it's timeless, it's all it's one decree. Um, but as it relates to us, the decree is uh, as it relates to us. We we can see we see it as as you know various and so there's it's decrees. We, we it's proper to speak of both decrees of God and the decree of God. But ultimately, it's one act, one divine act in eternity of God. Okay. So the way we're going to look at this uh, first paragraph is uh, the how of the decree. We're going to look at the how of the decree, how is the decree uh, um, uh, performed, how is it made. The when, and I put a question mark there, um, and I'll just tell you now, just because um, in one sense, there's no point in time when the decree was made, because it's eternal, it's timeless. Uh, But from our perspective, we can say when, well, it was before the foundation of the world, as Paul Paul tells us. Uh, So we can say it's, it's in eternity, that's when. Uh, but it, again, in in in, in the ultimate sense, there's there's no point in time when it was decreed. It was it's just an eternal divine act act of God. And then the what of the decree? What has God decreed? So we're going to look uh, at those uh, in for, in paragraph one. Uh, and before we get to that though, we're, I wanted I do want to define a couple terms. Um, I can't remember how far, Pastor Gene, did you? Because I know you talked about contingency. Did you? How far did you? Did you define it or did you go too much into it? I can't remember when you did uh, when you did yours. Uh, I think you spoke about it. You you mentioned contingency, didn't you? In in your presentation, like Sunday yeah, Sunday school. No, okay. I thought I I thought I mentioned. I thought I heard you. Okay. Well, we're gonna be looking at these two. Okay. Uh, well, it's gonna be brief, but we're gonna let, these are are important to understand the decree. Um, the language of of the confession, uh, first and second causes, and then uh, contingency. What is a contingency? Uh, and 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 that's important too, because there, you know, during this time there was um, <clears throat> there was uh, debate, there was controversy surrounding this word. Uh, uh, for example, even Jonathan Edwards, uh, which is, comes later after the, the the confession, but he denied contingency. Uh, he believed in philosophical necessity and so he 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 just uh, he had a, a wrong view of what contingency means so he he rejected it altogether and um you have other people um uh, uh socinians and even modern day open theists people who deny certain foreknowledge of god that god can know certain things certain contingencies uh, uh because they're in a sense they're trying to hold up free man's free will and so uh they they'll deny certain uh, aspects of god's knowledge uh, and so contingency, it's important to understand this as it relates to our confession. So first and second causes. Um, so the first cause, we may say, what the first cause is God. Okay? Because He decrees all things, He's before time, He's before uh, the, the, the earth and the universe, before anything is ever created. Uh, he is the first cause. So He's the first cause of all, thing, uh, all things. But then once, you know, and, and that's the the, the the area of the decree. So once God decrees, and if something becomes certain, and then he brings about his decrees, uh, how does he execute that decree? In creation and providence. And that's in the Baptist Confession as well. So the, cre- the, 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 the creation and providence, we can say that's where we see the second causes. Uh, so the actions of men, the, the, the intentions, the will of men. We can even say you know, nature, the laws of nature. So anything in creation and providence... All of that, those things are our second causes. Now, what about contingency? Well, we can see contingency in at least two ways. So something can be contingent or not necessary, uh, something that may or may not be uh, in regards to the first cause. So God can either decree something to, to be or not so it's contingent it's dependent upon whether god is going to say okay i am going to bring this about so so that so it's contingent as in regards to the first cause um but then there's also contingency in regards to the second cause in creation and providence so in creation things can are also dependent on other things um you know if, if somebody goes wants to go to college they they are they're going to college is dependent upon their, uh, their grades dependent upon their you know SAT scores or whatever it may be um, so there's a lot of things that are dependent upon other things in creation you know if you want to go somewhere maybe you're depend it's contingent upon the weather if the weather's good we will go here so so there, there's there's those contingencies that are related that, uh, in regards to the second cause but one thing that we need to understand is that to god once he decrees things they're certain though in from our perspective we still may see them as contingencies because God's knowledge is perfect, they're not contingencies to Him. He has decreed them all, and He's executing them through creation and providence. So, the, so again, contingencies are things that may or may not be, and, dependent on some, and they're dependent on something else. Either God to, to decree them, or then once they are decreed, on the, the other previous causes that, that bring that effect about. Okay, so now we get into the, the how of the decree. Uh, and our confession says that God has decreed in Himself, and by the most wise and holy counsel of His, oh, I thought I changed that, of His own will, not of His one will, uh, freely and unchangeably. So, in Himself, we can say, by, and it says counsel, and then freely and unchangeably. So, what does that phrase, God in Himself, has decreed in Himself mean? This is regarding His absolute nature, as he is in himself. So when we looked at the the attributes of God, we saw that there was the absolute attributes and the relative attributes. The do you uh, who who can tell me what those the distinction between those are the the, ad, the absolute and relative attributes of God. So. Let me begin with the relative. So, the relative attributes of God are those attributes that are, uh, relate to his creation. So, when we talk about, talk about God's love, his mercy, right, those are attributes, but they're in relation to his creation. Whereas the absolute attributes are those attributes that are in himself absolutely. He's infinite, right? He's, he's, uh, of himself. Uh, that's, that's foundational. He's, he's simple, he's, he's, uh, omniscient. So all those things are his absolute attributes. They're they're attributes that are within him that they're, they're apart from creation. And so it's important again because we're 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 locating the, the, the divine decree in eternity and it's in God. So at this point, in one sense, we can say it's not related to creation. There's nothing in creation that's causing him to decree something because it doesn't exist. Right? It's in himself. Yes. That's true. That that is true. I, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I never understood why that's a good question. I didn't think about that. And th- would you do you is it typically characterized as? A, um, as I th- well as I, I think s- I think well, I don't know, I guess I'd have to uh look into that yeah but but mercy definitely mercy compassion uh for for sinners so so all that is is relative because it it is in relation to his creation um so yes, God has decreed in himself, so again the, the we're locating the decree uh in God and not in relation to creation yet so so he's not he's not. As we're going to see in the second paragraph, he's not looking into the future. There's nothing for him outside of him where he's kind of gathering information or where he's he, where the, the decree is lo, be, uh, being located. Yes, Tony? Um, I don't understand. No, uh, about love? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah, he asked about love uh, and why it was considered a, a relative attribute and that might just be my 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 uh mistake in, in in placing it there but um he, he so he was saying uh why is it relative it relative if if the of God's love is found within the trinity outside of creation even before creation so you know uh in God before creation he was a god of love cuz there was love among the three persons of the trinity so i guess we could uh, say that it's an absolute uh but then that love then is manifested to sinners um so there's that aspect of it as well does that does that make sense so so the absolute attributes are 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 just the attributes of god uh apart from creation so who who god is in himself uh not relative to creation but in himself okay. and, and yeah, and so as he relates to creation, that those are his relative attributes, because like he was saying, we, we don't uh, God is not uh, merciful to the Holy Spirit because there's you know he's, he's not sinning, he's not you know he's he's merciful to those that are sinners, he's gracious to those that are sinners. Yeah, and so those are relative attributes; they're his attributes in relation to creation, and then and then there are there are attributes that are just within the Godhead, apart. These? from Relative attributes. what's the other? Absolute. Absolute. Yes. Okay, so the absoluteness, yeah, the absolute uh, ret, um, attributes. So um, the decree is in himself as he is in himself. It, reflect, it reflects the single nature of the divine activity as well. Again, being in eternity, as we will see, it's one single uh, act of God. Now, the how of, of the decree, um, uh, by, it says, by the most wise and holy counsel of his will. So here, the, the key thing here is the holy counsel of his will. Um, the counsel, as William Ames uh, defines it, the counsel of God is, as it were, his deliberation over the best manner of accomplishing anything already approved by the understanding of the will. So he has an interesting when he gets into the decree and he gets into the council of God and he, it's a it's very interesting how he gets to uh to to the council and to the, to to the the deliberation uh, of uh, of God. So what he says um, is that um, so that it involves the council involves wisdom and it involves knowledge, and how we get there is that the, the God in Himself again not thinking of anything future because nothing exists yet. God in his wisdom, and uh, he, he, he's, he's uh, in himself, uh, he sees all the possibilities that can take place. So he says that in the council, there are concurring with that council at least three things. He says there's a purpose or end, which is set forth. So God says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So, so the purpose ultimately is his glory. But then there's also a mental conception of that end. And then there's the intention or agreement of the will. So then, so God has a purpose. He wants to create a people. He wants to, you know, you know, send and then save a people through Jesus Christ. So all that we see in the decree, as it is worked out in, in history, so He has a purpose, and ultimately it's for His glory. But but before He, you know, creates, before He decrees, there's a mental conception of what He wants, what what He wants to uh, uh, um, set forth, and the way He illustrates this is by like a painter, for example, a painter. Who wants to? Um, he's going to paint something, so he he sets himself to do something. I'm going to I'm going to paint this. I'm going to paint this landscape, and so in his mind he gets this idea of what he's going to do, and then he sets out to do it. Uh, now the difference, though, uh, the difference is that the for mankind, when we set ourselves, when we get an idea of what we're going to do, we're taking from things that, are, that, are, that exist in themselves already, right? So if we're thinking of, okay, I'm going to do a, a beautiful, you know, mountains and trees and, and, and a river, those things already exist. And so we're already, we're taking from things that exist in themselves. The difference is that God does not think that way because again, nothing exists. It exists in himself. Those things begin or originate in him. So it's kind of of like if you think of like creation ex nihilo, right? He creates out of nothing. Whereas we can create from things already existing, uh, he creates out of nothing. So his ideas uh, come from his divine essence. He says, Ideas considered antecedent to the decree of the divine will represent an abstraction and only possible existence. So here's where he starts getting into knowledge. So from these ideas, right, you have the decree any any ideas before he actually sets his will and say i'm going to do this those ideas are merely possible existences okay every with me so, so far okay so those ideas before the decree are possible existences and anything considered after the determination of the divine will they represent things which are to come in their actual existence and then from this twofold division of ideas results a twofold division of of God's knowledge, and that's key to the decree. Um, although the the, the, the confession, we'll, we'll talk more about it in, in the second, in the third, um, second paragraph. So these are the two divisions of God's knowledge. You have His simple intellect or simple understanding, or also known as the natural knowledge of God, and then the knowledge of vision or the free knowledge of God. So again, what are these? The the first one. Is the knowledge that he has before the decree. So, what, what, what kind of knowledge is that? It's knowledge of possible things. So, anything that is possible, he knows, right? It's in his mind, it's, it's his divine idea. It's possible. But it's not actual until he says, I'm gonna create this. Okay? Once he decides to create this, a possibility, it, now it becomes certain. And now that it's certain, it, it's now it's part of his free knowledge. We can also say it's foreknowledge because now he knows this thing will certainly take place because he has decreed it. Okay, so so the things that he knows will certainly take place are certain because he has decreed them to be so, not because there's something in that thing that's going to uh, be be certain. He just knows it, and that, that's the error that that in the second paragraph they're going to deal with, that I'm sure you guys are kind of already anticipating. That, that people kind of have this idea that God foresees into the future. There's things uh, that he looks at that he kind of gathers information from. And then based upon that, he'll make his decision, his decree. Uh, but that's that's wrong. So the simple knowledge, natural knowledge are possibilities. Once he decides to create or decree, then those things become certain and then move from the to the free knowledge of God, the, the 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 knowledge of vision, He knows them for for certain. So, at one point, we were all mere possibilities. But once He decides to create to the, create Tony, He knows you now certainly. All of us. <clears throat> the simple intellect has its object, uh, as its object, all things that are possible, and they are contingent. Again they may or may not be decreed. So they're contingent in that sense. Uh, the knowledge of vision has as its object those things that will take place because, because God has willed or decreed them to be so. It is certain. So we go from the divine ideas to the divine knowledge of God and then those two, that twofold division uh, of, of the natural and free knowledge of God. From the possibility to the certain and certain because they are decreed, because He wills them to be so. Here's a, a, a little diagram that I made. or a, a Simple intellect, natural knowledge, is a knowledge of all things that could possibly happen. And the knowledge of vision, the free knowledge, are knowledge of things that will happen because they have been decreed. And here is the foreknowledge uh, of God that we can speak of. Any questions so far? Yes. So can it be said there is no longer a natural knowledge in God because things have been created uh, and His decree is set in motion? That's a good question. Um, it could be said that it could it could be, but it could be said that He still knows all the possibilities that could have been, but that He didn't actuate through His decree. So they would be reserved in His knowledge, in His natural knowledge. Uh, yeah. Or do you, yeah, yes? Uh, it wouldn't necessarily matter the time, since, it since time itself. So yeah. Really a, uh, should, uh, yeah, a concept, should, yeah. 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 So then there wouldn't be like a, a time where his natural knowledge. Oh, I see what like you're saying. This it's all one divine act and one kind of knowledge yeah yeah and again yeah for a lot of yeah a lot of these things even his attributes remember his attribute is simple his he's a simple god but again as that relates to us from our perspective we kind of see the 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 um the variation, I guess we can say, in in his attributes. Simps, uh, same thing here. I think this, That's why it's important that we begin with the doctrine of God, because it really sets the foundation for a lot of e- these things. Like we see simplicity even here in in, in his divine foreknowledge and his decree that it's all one simple act. But from our perspective, as we're looking at it, we can see this twofold distinction um, in his knowledge. But really, it's just one. Yeah. So, for the purpose of uh, denying foreknowledge and denying God's decree, wouldn't wouldn't uh, certain men today have to say, um, "Well, God still knows all the different possibilities because they've not been decreed." In other words, in other words, now in now in time and space, God doesn't know if tomorrow my my next door neighbor, you know, is 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 going to be saved, you know, based on his free will, because if that's not yet been decreed. So they mm-hmm. would extend that natural knowledge. Okay. I guess they could argue that, but it's, he's already decreed. I guess, yeah, he's already decreed. We, yeah, we that. yeah. That, that, that yeah, and they would have to deny contingencies and certain, certain elements of God's knowledge, which certain people do, that God, open theists believe God can know certain things, but there are certain things that he can't know. He cannot know the free will actions of men, otherwise they're no longer free, uh, free will actions so they they deny that part of God's knowledge, and so yeah, they would have to deny certain aspects of his knowledge uh, yes that, they they, would, they also have to very uh, very much struggle with the idea of, of having to argue these incommunicable incommunicable attributes as it refers to time because then you know then it's 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 in essence trying to say that time also has like a specific influence on God when it's a you know something itself. So, uh, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, I I think I know what you're saying. So if, if something in time is influencing his decree, right? That's that's kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. And they would have to say that and I'm sorry? At least influences knowledge. Yeah, influences knowledge, yeah. Okay, so yeah, again, so this is an eternity. It's timeless. And again, um, one thing that I forgot to mention that we should keep in mind is that when we talk about, say, the order, well, I'm not going to talk about the order of the decrees, but but when we talk about order of decrees or th- things in eternity, it's just a, a huge topic, but um, it, we're talking about um, a logical or relational order rather than chronological order. Because again, it's timeless. We can't say that you know, God thought, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do that. Because the then implies time. But to God, it's just one divine act. One simultaneous divine act. Um, so, so yeah, it's we, we can speak of these things as a logical or relational order. How things relate to each other. Uh, but not chronological. Because that would imply time. And again, this is timeless, it's in eternity. Um, here's another... Th- um, graph that I or what would you what do you call these graph chart that I made. Um, so we have God as the first cause, creation process, second cause, and then we have the simple natural knowledge, and then the no, that knowledge of vision or free knowledge. So um, up on top, events contingent because God may or may not decree them. That's the the realm where that that contingency belongs. But then events then are no longer contingent but certain since God has already decreed them. But the conting- contingency then goes down to the contingency of things is now in the realm of second causes. However, they remain certain and not continue to God. So they're contingent in the realm of second causes in our existence. Um, but again, God knowing all things to him, everything is certain and he knows what he's decreed and what will come to pass. Okay. The how of the decree again so, it's in himself, but now uh, the Confession says that it's, he's, it's freely and unchangeably. Freely here was, again, he's under no obligation uh, or compulsion, whether internally or externally, to uh, decree anything. So, he, he didn't have to decree. It, he wasn't compelled. He wasn't forced by anything in, within himself or outside himself. Uh, he, he was free to decree or not to decree. He was free to create or not create. So, everything that he decrees was done freely. Okay, it was he wasn't constrained by anything to, to decree, and then unchangeably, once decreed, they are immutable. So, once God decrees something, it is immutable, it cannot uh, be otherwise. Again, they are immutable because of the perfection of God's wisdom and counsel, his deliberation, his wisdom. He said, Okay, this is, these are the possibilities, and this is what I want my will. This is what I want to actuate, and so he decrees it, and thus it's immutable. We see this in Job 23, 13-14, But he is unique, and who can turn him, and what his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me, and many such decrees are with him. So, what God has appointed, we see connected with his desires, or his will, his good pleasure, as Paul speaks of it uh so yet yeah, he does this and who can turn his, who can turn him what he desires that he does <clears throat> psalm 33:11 the counsel of the lord stands forever the plans of his heart from generation to generation they stand the counsel what he has counseled and then thus decreed stands forever isaiah 46:10 God declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. And again here, the, the, the will, the counsel being in a sense interchangeable, it's, it's his, his good pleasure. So that which he has uh, been pleased to accomplish, to decree, uh, will be established. Luke 22:22. For indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Uh, here, what has been determined? And we'll see in, I don't know if I put it here, in Acts. Yes, Acts 2:23. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan of, and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of God this man and put him to death. So here, what happened to Christ being delivered? Was predetermined by the foreknowledge of God, meaning again, here's here was uh, God had said, "This is what I want to actuate," so it becomes certain that He decrees it. It's it's part of His then foreknowledge, um, and and that what He, what God determined, took place at the hands of Godless men, and. We kind of already been talking about this, but the when again, it's an eternity. Uh, Paul tells us this in Ephesians one four. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And Pastor uh, Jason will 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 talk more about now the 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 predetermination of of a man and angels. Um, but but again, this is part of his decree. His decree of uh, his election of those to salvation. Uh, uh, um, we can say was in. Eternity was before the foundation of the world. It was part of his eternal decree. So that's the when. Uh, First, second Timothy one, nine, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted uh, us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So that which God purposed in us and for us in Christ is part of His eternal decree, His His good pleasure in eternity. Um, again, the implications of of this decree being in eternity we've we've already mentioned this. Elements of the decree are simultaneous; the order of the various elements are logical, not chronological. Though they are chronological as they are executed in creation and providence. So, in in, in eternity, the one decree of God is. Uh, um, not chronological, simultaneous it's one divine act but as God then executes that decree as he brings it about in creation it's chronologically we see it throughout history as he's bringing about his purpose in Jesus Christ okay the what of the decree um, and here oh, there's a lot of um, I guess controversy too um, with other branches of Christianity Um a lot of people wouldn't object, uh, Arminians or uh, others wouldn't object to God decreeing certain things to pass, but they do object to the all things, all things whatsoever it comes to pass. What does this mean? That every single thing that happens, everything, not one thing that has happened, uh, has happened without, apart from His decree. Everything has been decreed by God. Um, those are the proof texts uh, that you'll find in the Confession, and I'm going to look at one of those and just a few other ones that aren't in, uh, um, listed as proof texts. Ephesians 1.11, Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of His will, who works all things, all things after the counsel of His will. Um, and that all things, it has to do with everything in salvation and then everything that, that, that entailed, so all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 2.10, God also decrees, so we can say the good actions of men, and this is, this is found in uh, uh, Berkhoff. He has a nice little s- s- section there. Uh, his decree involves the good actions of men. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So even our good works are decreed, are, are prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But not only the good actions, or the, the actions of uh, the the good actions of men, but also the wicked actions of men. Proverbs sixteen four: The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. So He has decreed even those. Sinful actions, and this is where we start kind of getting into like, okay, where, where the, the the criticism comes in, which we will see. But we look at Acts two twenty three. We already we read this. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So Jesus del- be, was delivered by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. So what does that mean? It means. It says here uh, in Acts 4, 27 through 28, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So what Herod, what Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, what they did, all the everything that that in, that it entailed all the, the conspiracy all the all the, the conspiring i should say all the planning just the everything everything was done and it was god's hand and purpose that had predetermined that to occur so god had decreed even even the sinful actions that led to the crucifixion of his son And then, <clears throat> not only does he think decree the end, but as we have seen in that, God decreed his son to be crucified, but he decreed the means for that. And here, not only does he decree the ends, but the means. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation, that's the end, through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So, he, he's, he has not only predestined and determined that you will be saved, that you will be with him forever, but he's also determined the means by which you will reach that end, and that is through your sanctification. And then he's given us the means of grace to, to, for, for that. Yes? I was going to say, it's include the Judas the son of perdition and at of famous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true, Judas was, yeah, predetermined, his, his actions, everything was, was determined by God. To betray the sun. Job fourteen five. Uh, God determines the duration of man's life, since his days are determined. The number of his months is is with you, and his limits you have set, so that he cannot pass. So we don't know, but God knows. God knows the very day, the very hour of our of our of our death, and how long we're going to live. And yes, because He's decreed it. He's He's determined it. Question that all of us have have been asked before or will in the future um, what would you say in in relation to the problem of evil this uh, yeah i and i was going to get to it yeah i mean yeah we're going to still try to keep it simple so i'll try to give it an answer but but um cuz yeah it's a huge that's a huge topic there um everything that befalls a child of god Matthew 10:29 through 30 are not to Two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear; you are more valuable than many sparrows. So again, just God knowing uh, every detail about us and um, knowing all the things that happen to us, um, God is taking care of us. God uh, is is for us if we're in Christ, and so God has determined all things in our life uh, for for our sanctification. But he will he will uh, take care of us, OK, so God and the sinful actions of men. so our confession says, so in all of this, right he's dec- He decrees all things, he decrees uh, the good actions of men, but he also decrees the evil, the wicked actions, the sinful actions of men. Uh, so then, yes, because of this, during the time of, of, of the of the Westminster and our confession, there were people. Um, What is his name? I wrote it down. Uh, Thomas Grantham, uh, who was a General Baptist, and then later also Thomas Collier, who said because of this, if if this is true, then God must be at the root of all sin. He's the author of sin. And so the Confession then wants to clarify, no, that's not the case. So given all that we've seen, that God decrees all things, even the sinful actions of men, Yet, so as thereby is God neither the author of sin, nor hath fellowship with any therein, nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Okay, so first of all, how is God not the author of sin? First of all, Scripture clearly tells us. Uh, let no one say, James one thirteen. when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So that's James 1.13. 1 John five. this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Okay, so from this and just, I mean, all of scripture, uh, God is holy. God, in God there is no sin, so God cannot be the author of sin. Okay, but then that still leaves the question, how, how is he not the author of sin? Uh, and, and that's why it's very important to keep in mind the liberty and the contingency of second causes. That it is by his decree that they are established. And Acts 17.28 is key for this. Uh, there Paul is talking uh, in, in Athens, he's preaching and he says this, he says, for in him, in God, we live and move and exist or have our being. So, wh- wh- why is this important? Because it tells us that there's nothing in creation that can exist apart from Him. So, our being, which includes our our thoughts, uh, our, our 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 free our free agency to choose to decide, that rather than being taken away, is actually established by the decree. Because that cannot exist unless God decrees it to exist, so nothing nothing can exist without God decreeing it to exist. So even our free agency, our our, our, our our the liberty and contingency of second causes, all of that is established by the decree. Now, that might not, as finite creatures, we may not see how that can be, but we can, we do understand it's logical to conclude that. It, that that, that nothing can exist apart from God uh, creating it or God decreeing it. Therefore, even uh, creatures and their free agency cannot exist, cannot be. We cannot move and have our being apart from Him, apart from Him decreeing those things to be. So God, in His wisdom, in His power, um, He decrees even our free agency, that we would have uh, choice. But again, you know, we, we you know, later on we'll get into sin and how that affects uh man and, and how it affects our choices. But God uses the second causes. So again, he's he's not decreeing, he's not producing in creatures, he's not producing in creatures sin to be done. The sinful actions of the man that crucified the Lord, he didn't produce those in him. But he using the contingency of second causes and and their free agency, he used their actions, their wicked, sinful hearts, he decreed them to do what they did. But the sin and the origin of those sinful actions and thoughts originated in in the second causes, in the creatures. So that God always remains free from it. So he makes things certain, but he doesn't produce those things in in, uh, the sin in the people. Okay, uh, we we read this one already, but again, this is showing how it was, uh, for truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand had predestined to occur. So what they did, it was their own will, their own choice to do, yet it was predestined by God. It was determined, decreed by God. So one thing that also we we can keep in mind is that when God decrees, uh, part of that decree is 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 that he he allows things to take place. Now, the confession will say not by bare permission. So it's not like God foresaw something and he just allowed it. No, it's a it's a positive, it's it's still a positive decree, but it's he's perm, he's permitting, he's allowing certain things to take place that are gonna that are part of his counsel that are part of his ultimate purpose we see this in genesis 26 let me go to that be <clears throat> 20 verse 6 but I'll start with uh, verse 1. Uh, then the Lord took note of Sarah as he said uh, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong chapter. Like, um, now Abraham journeyed from the uh, from uh, from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my I'm sorry. Uh hold on. Yeah, okay. So Abraham said of his his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now Abimelech had, had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in, in the dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I, also, and I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So we will talk more about the doctrine of divine concurrence and how two things are working together uh, in, when we get to providence. Um, but here, what is going on? We see here that Abimelech, he's, out of the, the integrity of his own heart, he is doing things, he's choosing to do things. But ultimately, God says, I'm the one that kept you from sinning. So God will allow or not allow certain people to do certain things. Um, and, and, and so God, in, in, in his decree, is allowing certain sinful actions to take place and at the same time, he's al- al- uh, not allowing other act- sinful actions to take place. But we see it as chrono- chronological because we are in time; God's outside of time. Yes. And so, he's so, so yeah, what he's what he's decreed has, has it's already been decreed. It's going to happen. It will happen, and then that decree then is uh, uh, is executed or it takes it's it's it's, it's carried out. in in creation and providence, in time. So it's carried out, executed in time. Um, But yes, God permits uh, sinful actions. But again, those sinful actions originate in the second causes, in the creature himself. Yes? I think that we're able to get into then the beginning of that, which has to do with angelology, Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I don't know. We have to ask said Jason. He... Um so okay the, the cre- okay um I have I want to get to the last um really quickly Philippians 2:13 Uh, It is God who who works both in you to will and to do for His good pleasure, right? Because we're sinful, God has to, by His Holy Spirit, work directly in us to do good things. He he influences us, He sanctifies us, He he motivates us. Um, It's not the same thing for sinful actions, for the sinful actions of men. He does not have to produce those things in them. They are already there. He just has to either allow or not certain of their actions. So seeing that, that God is, has established second causes and He's using those second causes to bring about His purpose in Christ shows us how God is not the author of sin because He's not directly producing or influencing those people to do those sinful actions. Um, so ultimately, though it is not logically inconsistent, we can understand the working out of the divine sovereignty and human responsibility and we can still say that there's still mystery there how, how God actually establishes all these things. But again, given te- a scriptural testimony, we know that he does. This is what he how he's revealed himself. So in the few minutes that we have left, um uh, I'm not gonna get to um so here the the confession then is is dealing with okay if if all this is a decree in himself is there any sense in which god can look outside of himself um to establish his decree and obviously the answer is no so they say or it says here although god knoweth whatsoever may or can come to pass what kind of knowledge is that natural yes the yeah um Upon all supposed conditions, yet hath he not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future or as that which could come to pass upon such conditions. So what I was going to talk about, maybe we'll, if anybody has questions, um, I was going to talk about, so there's there's the Arminianism is really, is basically the, the first view of God seeing, kind of foreseeing future actions. Um, the second one, they're referring to what is called Molinisms or middle knowledge. Um, this is our uh, Jacobus Arminius, the decree to save or condemn certain persons has its foundation in divine foreknowledge through which God has known from all eternity those individuals who through the established means of his provenient grace would come to faith and believe and through his subsequent sustaining grace would preserve in the faith or persevere in the faith. Likewise, in divine foreknowledge, God knew those who would not believe and persevere. So, his foreknowledge is based upon things that he foresaw, things that are future. Um, divine, or uh, middle knowledge, or Molinism. Uh, what does that say? So, why is it called middle knowledge? Because remember, we saw the 2, two uh, the, the twofold distinction of God's knowledge, simple or natural, and, and the knowledge of vision or the free knowledge. But Luis de Molina, a Jesuit, Roman Catholic, um, in the 16th century, came up with this and said, well, there's a third way that God knows, and it, it's, it comes between the free knowledge and the natural knowledge. So the, the free knowledge being the knowledge after he's decreed. So before his decree, there's two types of knowledge. There's the simple and the natural, and then there's, uh, there's the middle. The difference is that in the simple and natural, God knows all things that could possibly happen he sees all the possibilities all the conditions in the in the middle knowledge not only does he know all the possibilities that could happen but he knows all the future conditional events that would happen that would happen uh, given certain circumstances um, the way Ames and others kind of reject this is that it's it's really um, unnecessary it's superfluous to have that because whatever he knows is already contained in the in the um in the natural knowledge and things um to say that something would happen would have to involve his decree otherwise how would it happen you have things that are happening cert- that that are happening outside of his decree and, and so that's why the reformers uh, rejected that and it really it, it there's no it's just a way to again to to protect the, the, the free will of man, that, that man is truly free to decide his, his fate. Um, so the confession is rejecting these two. I wanted to read from Ames, if I could find the quote. So, so he says, from this one foundation, again speaking of the one idea of God, the, the foreknowledge of God, uh, all in that that god um the decree is in himself he's not gathering information from outside of himself to make deliberations about what he's going to do it's all within himself nothing can exist outside of him so from this one foundation all errors of merit and forcing faith can be sufficiently refuted for if a particular decree of god depended upon any foresight then then an idea of god would have come to him from somewhere else which hardly agrees with his nature so it would have to come from something outside of himself. Uh, and that's kind of like more like the platonic view of, of God, that he's, there's the eternal ideas that are separate from God, and, 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 and he kind of looks at these ideas, these ideals, and, and from those he decides to do this or that. Well, no, in God, those divine ideas are part of his essence of who he is. So he's not deliberating by gathering information outside of himself. He's just deliberating within his own count, the counsel of his own will. So, those two errors are being refuted. Um, um, Let's see. Oh, there was the quote. (laughs) Okay, so what if God did not decree all things whatsoever comes to pass? Um, So, what are the implications if He doesn't? If He doesn't decree all things, Um, what this decree should bring in us is rather than bringing fear Because a lot of people really do—it's just, you know, um, a weighty issue that God decrees everything. Um, Rather than bring it fear of of God's sovereignty and His decree, it should bring us comfort. Uh, It is the only way that we can have assurance that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purposes. Because otherwise, you have all these things that are that, that, that are existing in and of Himself that are apart from God's decree we can't ever be sure that he's going to be able to overcome that. Um, and, and, and we can be assured that God will keep his promises. So um, it's either he decrees all things and and then is, is in control and can bring good, good from it because he's decreed it, or he's not in control of it, and we can't ever be assured of uh, good things for us. So um, it should be a comforting doctrine this, that God has decreed all things, and that He will he will bring you to your ultimate end. You will be before Him. If you are His, nothing in heaven and on earth can take you away. His decree stands firm. It's established. So we can take comfort in that. Uh, let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your goodness uh, toward us, your will, Lord God, to deliver us, to save us in Christ. Um, Lord, we are... In awe of your work, of your uh, decree, and, and just of, of how you have revealed yourself to us, uh, who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we pray that as we continue to learn of you and, and what you have done for us, that we would uh, just worship you all the more, that we would love you all the more, and that it would be uh, um, that it would help us then to uh, fight against sin and to um, use those means of, of sanctification to reach that end, that goal that you have uh, predetermined for us. Uh, so, Lord, help us. Be with us and uh, be with uh, Pastor Jason as he preaches, preaches Your Word. Uh, please bless Your people uh, and all this for Your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.